This is what's great about sports. This is what the greatest thing about sports is. This is without question the most comfortable red sweater I've had on in six years. Uh, playoffs? What are you doing with a school bag on stage? You can't even read. If I don't eat breakfast, I'm f***ing pissed off. And it's a deep to left center. Andrew Jones on the run. This one has a chance. Come around. Reverses it. And the pass goes into the end zone. The Nick Foles. it's a touchdown by Nick Foles. Alba inside. It's Messi. And good morning, afternoon, evening, ladies and gentlemen. You are listening to the almost world famous Wide Open Sports Cast. We are recording on Tuesday, April 23rd at 8 o'clock in the evening. And as always, you can find us, the Wide Open Sports Cast, on Twitter, SoundCloud. Um, Google Play, iTunes, and TuneIn, all of those all together. You can find us on Twitter at WideOpen underscore sports. And don't forget that you can find us on SoundCloud, Google Play, iTunes, and TuneIn at the Wide Open Sports Cast. I am Feds. I am Rick. Rick, great to be back, bud. How's everything going? Everything's good, man. Uh, I'm realizing that I can't figure out my Twitter password, which is kind of pissing me off. But besides that, everything's good. You still have our Twitter password, right? Yeah. Ah, so we got the important one. I'm just kidding. Um, dude, what what a week it's going to be. Um, I know you're talking a little bit about it before we got on air. But Avengers Thursday and the Battle of Winterfell Sunday. Has there been a greater time in movie and television history um hmm possibly let me let me ponder on that dude i don't there's gonna be a lot of emotions this week i'll tell you that a lot of emotion you know titanic was pretty intense yeah true (laughs) true but yeah i mean it'll be fun for that as well as in sports, now the uh, first round for both the Stanley Cup and and the uh, NBA is winding down right now, it seems like. Yeah, it's always such a great time that they have both of those playoff seasons going on at the same time. So, Rick, why don't we jump in to those playoff matchups? Uh, what do you want to go first, uh, hockey or basketball? I'll let you pick. Um, Let's do basketball because uh, might as well talk about Milwaukee Bucks a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I feel like we have to do them justice because, Rick, I feel like this is a team that's been underrated. I mean, they absolutely clapped the Pistons. But I feel like you really haven't heard about it, you know? Well, I mean, they clapped the Pistons because the Pistons were definitely probably the weakest team overall in these playoffs, in my opinion. Yeah. They came out, but they... they they didn't show up at all during these playoffs. I mean, game one, they scored 86 points compared to Milwaukee's 121. And, uh, I mean, the Greek freak is just playing out of his mind. So I'm expecting him to keep that up against Boston in the next round. Yeah, and I think that's definitely going to be a great matchup there in the future um, coming up in the second round. The Detroit Pistons now own the NBA record for most consecutive losses in the playoffs. How many games in a row have they lost in the playoffs, Rick? Do you know? Isn't it like 14? Correct. They have dropped 14 straight games in the playoffs. That's pretty incredible. Yes, if you you do the math there, people, that's three sweeps. I I mean – that it just seems like they can't recover from the early 2000s and the early 90s Detroit Pistons because both those teams are just incredible teams. Yeah, especially that Pistons team with Ben Wallace, Rip Hamilton, Chauncey Billups, Tayshawn Prince. That that was a squad right there. Let me let me tell you. But um, the, I feel like that just sums up exactly the topic we're on. We're focusing on how bad the Pistons were, but we also got to talk about how good the Bucks were. You know, like 
I, I feel like what people lose track of with that Bucks team is that it's not necessarily just Giannis. You've got Eric Bledsoe, who's a solid part of that team. Um, and you have a couple other great pieces along with the Bucks. Um, obviously, Brooke Lopez, us Nets faithful, will keep an eye on him. Um, I feel like they got Paul Gasol, obviously a big part of that. It's a pretty impressive team, especially for such a small market team, too. Uh, it's yeah. I mean, it's it's a team that honestly, because they are a small market, probably won't be staying together for too long after this. So, like, it's now or never, unless everyone there decides not to get paid, which in this day and age in sports is very rare. So it's kind of now or never, and it's kind of a really hard time to have a team that isn't, say, Golden State or Houston or whatnot to say now or never. Yeah, especially with a lot of those Bucks players uh, needing a payday. Do you think that Giannis is serious, and do you really think he's going to be staying in Milwaukee his whole career? Um, I, it's way too soon. Way, way too soon to say yes or no. I mean, it'd be nice to say yes. Like, if if he's the type of guy that wants his jersey retired there, then, yeah, he'll stay there for his whole career. Uh, but, like I said, in this day and age, unless Milwaukee pays him and only him, because, like, like you said, they're a small market team, they pay him and only him, then, yeah, he'll stay there. But he won't have the greatest team around him. So... He's going to have a lot of layovers from the generation before. That's going to be coming in and out of there. So he will be the only consistent part of that team. Now, let's take a look at their opponent in the Boston Celtics. And and this is a team that I feel like a lot of people have been waiting for finally uh, for them to turn on the Jets. Um mediocre season, I think, when you look at their expectations. Obviously, last year they came out of nowhere and were a great surprise and had a great run. But then they had so many hiccups during the regular season. Kyrie missing time, some shocking losses here or there. Um, And then they just went in and completely smoked the Pacers. Now, granted, is this a different series if the Pacers have Victor Oladipo? Yeah, 100%. But I think the thing that's important for Boston is that they finally got Kyrie going. You know what I mean? Like, Kyrie had had his moments throughout the season, but then he pops up after a mediocre game one, drops 37 in game two. And then the Celtics just went cruising from there. Um, Kyrie went off. He only had 19, but he had 10 assists in game three. And then... When you take a look at game four, Kyrie ended up with 14. He's actually getting some of his stuff done. And I feel like that's going to be very, very important for Boston because Kyrie has by far the most playoff experience on that team. Yeah, he does. And it seems like he kind of pulled a LeBron there where middle of the season wasn't playing as great. Then then LeBron playoff LeBron comes out and is completely unstoppable. He kind of does look like that a little bit. But also at the same time, Boston has been a team struggling to find an identity. They, they on paper, everything should say that they should be scoring at least 110 points a night. But they're not. So I, I don't have I, – I, I think Boston, they, they came – and if if Kyrie still plays like this, I mean, they're not going to be shut out for throughout the entire series. I can I can predict a four two series going to Milwaukee in the next round, but I I just don't see them because uh, they they've struggled throughout the year. They've had no. It just they look like a team that should have experience but does not have experience. And Kyrie needs to be the leader of that team. And I don't think Kyrie will be staying around too much longer with that team. 
if they played like this throughout the season because it just seems like they have no chemistry at times. No, that should definitely be a more, you know, seasoned team when you look at the names on there: Jason Tatum, Gordon Hayward, Kyrie. They have some. They have a very solid team. I just it it, it doesn't add up their inconsistency at all. It really it. It, to me, it was the most puzzling storyline in a whole NBA season is how could this team that last year accomplished so many great things made it to the um, nearly made it to the finals and then gets a four seed in the regular season. And granted, the Sixers were good. Um, and then the Bucks and the Raptors were the class of the East this year in a LeBronless East. But I was still expecting so much more from this Boston team. And it's it's funny that you mentioned how this team should be scoring 110 a game. Look at game one. Celtics 84, Pacers 74. And the fact is they're putting up good numbers against a Pacers team that was number one in the NBA in defense this year. Yeah, I mean, uh, that that is true. When it came down to three and four, they were scoring over 100 points. But uh, I... I don't see them getting past Milwaukee. Milwaukee is too big and too powerful. When you have a guy like Giannis on your team, I for I, they'll get beat. Milwaukee will get beat eventually. But with a guy like Giannis on their team against a Boston team that at times is not fun to watch, I don't see it. So the next round. Wow. I would, I would pick Boston. Or, I'm sorry, Milwaukee over Boston. But Yeah, I would I would definitely go with you on that one. I, I feel like the East, where it used to be LeBron's domain, I feel like it's going to be Giannis's domain throughout the next few years. Um, Let's jump into the Raptors and the Magic. Pretty much a formality. The Raptors are going through there. You know, the Magic had the one game that they pulled off, but the Raptors are definitely going to be advancing there to take on the winner of the Sixers and Nets series, which we'll get into next. Um, But other than the first game, this Raptors team has been pretty impressive against the Magic, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're a overall solid team. They're kind of what I think Boston should be and just how consistent they are. But, I mean, they Orlando is playing pretty well against them. I mean, two a few of the games against them, they left them within five points. So or they won. So with that game will be happening soon. Game five will be happening soon. Toronto will probably move on tonight. Yeah, I, I could definitely see that. They um they kept it close in game three. They lost by five, and obviously they won game one. But uh, otherwise, the Raptors have been pretty much in the driver's seat throughout that series. And, I mean, you have to give this Magic team some credit. They went on a very hot run. Remember that people thought that they were going to be on the fence and they were going to be the last team in. They pushed the Nets for the sixth seed until the very last day. And this was a team that at the end of the year got very hot. But the, the East... You know, the, the Bucks and the Raptors are just the class of that conference. And I think no matter where they ended up, they weren't going to get through the top three teams in the East. Or even the top four, for that sake, I would say. True. I agree. Now let's, let's get to the series everyone's been talking about. The Brooklyn Nets and the Philadelphia 76ers. Now, Rick... This is why this was such an interesting series for me in the East. All right? The process versus the trade. You have the Sixers who have rebuilt themselves into a a, a power team in the East. Obviously a three seed. They've got an incredible starting five when you look at uh, Embiid, Simmons, Harris, uh, J.J. Redick. They, they got a pretty solid squad, and obviously Jimmy Butler. But the Sixers preached and literally made their motto, trust the process, for the sole fact of, like, look, we're going to tank, we're going to suck 
for a few years, but it's going to be worth it. And now for the Sixers over these last two seasons, it's worth it because they're a top team in the East. Versus the Brooklyn Nets, who rebuilt their team without a single first-round draft pick that they owned. All of their moves were through trade acquisitions, such as getting D'Lo, um, signing such as Alan Crabb, and trading for some draft picks here and there. Obviously, you had like Spencer Dinwiddie come up through the ranks and signing some veterans. Do I dare mention Jared Dudley? Um, but th- this was an interesting series to me just because of the way that these teams rebuilt now seeing each other in the playoffs. Yeah, um, I, w- I would say the Brooklyn Mets or Mets uh, Brooklyn Nets uh, way of rebuilding is a little bit more admirable, in my opinion. But they they're still a team that is not quite there yet. They looked great for being a team that's not quite there yet. I will I will give the Brooklyn Nets that, but I don't see them getting any farther in this coming series. I mean, they're playing. Uh, later tonight, but it's going to be the end of the line for them. They're gonna they're, the series is going to end four one in my opinion. Unfortunately, as a Nets fan, I'm going to agree with you there, and I do agree with you. They look great for a team that is in the spot that they are, and people can't forget they got two max contracts available, and they have a very very attractive group of young players on that team. That if I was a free agent. You know, yeah, you're not in Manhattan, but you're still in New York City. You're still in the New York market. And, I mean, I I wouldn't go anywhere near the New York Knicks at the moment. But they do have a strong core. But the Sixers team is just too talented. You know, between Embiid, Simmons, and Butler alone, the Sixers team is too talented for them. And it's been well documented that Jared Dudley's antics have been a complete and utter failure yeah it's it's fun to watch though it is it really is but you know it's not working when every player you've pissed off and tried to target went off for 30 points against you yeah that that makes it a little difficult to uh uphold your standard there now what did you think of the little uh incident at the in the third quarter of game three when uh butler and dudley got tossed um, it, I mean, it's, it's fun to see that type of playoff mentality going on. It brings you back to basketball in the yesteryear, but part of it kind of just seems like someone just wanted to go after someone just because they wanted to go after someone. It just seemed very out of place for me. It, it, it was random. Like, yeah, he, like there, there's a lot of antagonizing. And maybe at some point someone was going to give. But it seemed like a little bit of overkill. And plus, that you see that video of that, that father of the year saving his son from that scuffle? Yes, I did. <laughs> Safe at the plate, am I right? Yeah, right, man. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely, unfortunately, being a Nets fan, the, the Sixers will advance. Too talented. Jared Dudley, love you, dude, but... You're pissing off the wrong people, my friend. You're barking at the wrong tree. Uh, So that's unfortunately going to come to an end. Now, Sixers and Raptors. And just living in the Philadelphia sports area, listening to 97.5 a lot. For 76ers fans, the expectation is that this season is not a success unless least they reach the Eastern Conference Final. Which, obviously, they're going to have to go through the Toronto Raptors to do so is this team good enough and for me deep enough to get through the um raptors um i would say they're good enough deep enough that that that's where it becomes scary because you you got the the five guys on the court which are all great players but you really don't have anyone on your bench no the, the Dario, that's it. Yeah, Dario. But it, it's it's really gonna come. It's that's really a team where the stars need to shine. 
So if the stars do not shine, then no way. But I don't think they will get through. I feel like Toronto will make it to at least the conference finals. That's if if my predictions are right and Toronto and Milwaukee get to the conference finals in the Eastern Conference, I would have no idea who to pick there. Yeah, that that would be that would be an epic series that you would almost beg to go to seven games. Exactly. Which could totally happen. So let's jump over to the West. On the Warriors, other than once again blowing a 3-1 lead, but not a 3-1 lead, a 31-point lead, the biggest choke in the history of the NBA playoffs, the Warriors have pretty much been in cruise control over the Clippers. No real surprise there. Yeah. I mean, Golden State is... Still the same Golden State, maybe maybe a little bit older, maybe not be may not be the same Golden State next year, but they're still Golden State. You got you gotta favorite them in almost any matchup, even without Boogie. That's still mm-hmm. definitely a favorite there. Yeah, even without Boogie, you still gotta favor that. Without Boogie, yeah, they they struggled a little bit, but they were still playing a lot at a lot of times, still playing great basketball. Yeah, um, I mean, dude, you still have – Boogie just added on to a team that last year literally ran through the playoffs. Um, literally. You know? Literally, yeah. A matchup that has been surprising me is the um, Portland Trailblazers. Where have they come from? Very surprising how well they've been doing. Dude, uh, this has been my favorite matchup between – uh, Damian Lillard and Russell Westbrook. The the amount of barking back and forth between the two of them is beautiful. Yeah. Lillard, Lillard definitely seems like he's coming out on top with the Portland Trailblazers up three games to one. But that that is, I hope, going to be a classic rivalry for years to come between Oklahoma City and Portland. Because both teams, they're not they're not the cream of the crop of the West Coast, even though Portland is considered like a three, uh, three seed, I would believe, right? Three yes, seed? they are the three seed. Oklahoma's the six. Yeah, but I mean, they, those two teams, especially with those two guys on the opposite ends, are fun to watch. But I, I have a feeling Oklahoma City is not dying just yet. They may last a game or two more. But in the end, I think Portland's moving on to the next round. Yeah, the, the, I can't see. Even though Russ has been, I would definitely say Dame is winning the battle between them because Westbrook's kind of been going MIA over the last few games. But I could definitely see the Thunder at least getting one more. Yeah, and that's, that's you said that perfectly. Russ is, I mean, the bargain between the two, the two players is great, but Russ has definitely been MIA, especially how... He's the most important player on any team in the league. Considering the fact in three years in a row, he is averaging a triple-double. Which is just insane. People never thought that one triple-double um, average for a season was going to happen again, yet alone in three straight seasons. Like I mean, even at that, if, if he never wins a – if he never wins a – a ring if he never wins a championship that'll get that'll make him at least a second round ballot second ballot uh hall of famer right there is that that's a stat that i can't imagine anyone else will ever hit no never even as good as some of these players are right now i can't imagine that would be a thing for anyone else to hit and now um before we get into our last series he got the Rockets over the Jazz. I, I had the Rockets going for the sweep last night. They didn't get it done. Uh, Jazz stay alive. You know, Donovan Mitchell had a big part to do with that. Um, but obviously, the Rockets are going to close this one out eventually. Yeah, it was almost like shocking that they didn't just sweep this. Like they, it, they really should have. But I mean, same thing with Golden State. Every every team will have a slip up here and there. Every great team, at least. And now Denver with San Antonio. Very interesting series here. I mean, 
you obviously had DeMar DeRozan's ejection for chucking the ball at the ref. Um, but I think it just shows that I think this Nuggets team is going to need a little bit more time before they become a contender because they're struggling with a seven-seeded Spurs team. Who, Granted, it, the Spurs are the Spurs, are the White Walkers of the NBA. They literally never die and never go away. Um, just when you think they're dead, they come back. But I feel like if they get the Trailblazers in the next round, which I think we're both projecting, I think the Nuggets are going to have some trouble with that. Yeah, um, I, I, I'm thinking Portland will get through the next round and whichever team they play next, Denver and, or San Antonio, uh, I, I feel like that's going to be fairly easy for Portland. San Antonio, uh, I mean, I, I'm a big, huge fan of Popovich, huge fan. So whatever, whatever team he's coaching, I know they're going to at least – give a hundred percent most games are going to give a hundred percent every single time but portland will probably have a easy trail to the conference finals which i would love to see because i feel like portland's is a team that's trapped in the second round that's it yeah i agree and then when you go to the other side golden state i'm which i'm predicting golden state versus houston seems very probable at this point I, I mean, I, I want Houston to win because it'd be nice to see a different champion this year. But I feel like Golden State is still going to be Golden State. Yeah. At, at least to the conference finals and probably to the championship. I mean, I think only a madman would go against that. True. To be fair, like being honest. Excellent. So that is our basketball talk again that you can interact with us tell us what you think of our thoughts on twitter at wide open underscore sports and with that let's get into the other side of the playoff action let's take a look at hockey where rick basketball we were talking about all the heavyweights and how we think they're going to have some great matchups you've got the bucks and the raptors potentially down the line you have some great series uh, the warriors you got the Timber, the not the Timberwolves, the Trailblazers, and some other teams really hanging around. The NHL, who's left? Freaking wild card season, the NHL. Right? Three out of the four wild card. I mean, I can't, I can't remember if this is. I'm sure it's happened before, but I can't remember the last time this has happened where so many wild card teams have moved on to the next round. And possibly all four can move on to the next round because tomorrow, Capitals versus, versus the Hurricanes, it could happen. It could really happen. Do I think it's going to happen? No. I feel like Capitals are going to get, are going to pull something wild. It's going to be like a 5-1 to one victory over the Hurricanes. And they're going to dominate them somehow just because... I, I truly believe in playoff experience, and that team has playoff experience like no other. Yeah. I mean, obviously coming off of the Stanley Cup, too, the Capitals are the last division champion left. Yeah. Predators, out. Um, Flames, out. Obviously, the Lightning. Dude, what the hell? Right? Other yeah. than the first part of game one and the second period of game four, that was a slaughterhouse for the Lightning, and the Blue Jackets just completely owned them. Like, I, if you told me maybe the Blue Jackets would win in seven, you know, cool, I'd still be surprised. This Lightning team was wildly successful, obviously tied the record for most points in an NHL season. But to get swept in the way that they got swept is still unbelievable. Well, I mean, I, it was just seemed like everything went wrong for the Lightning. I mean, first off, first off, their top forwards went completely silent. Like, these guys were... Averaging like four points a game. And then that didn't show up. Next, the special teams. Columbus Blue Jackets special teams were on fire, it seemed like. And the Lightning special teams were completely not there. 
then as well as a lot of injuries for the defense for the Lightning. I mean, they they could not stay healthy there. Uh, I mean, I mean John Cooper. I think he's a great coach, but he definitely got out coached by John Tortorella. Like no no doubt about that. And another thing, it's kind of superstitious. The President's Trophy curse. Yep. I can't. I don't remember the last team that won the President's Trophy that won the Stanley Cup. Because I, I can't see that. Like I don't understand why it's like that, but I can't see that. And you know what? Else, what other curse is still alive? The best uh, seasons in their respective sports history. Curse is still alive. Yeah. Um. The Mariners, 116 win Mariners, no. 73 win Warriors, no. The Tampa Bay Lightning team, no. And then the 16 and 0 Patriots, no. Mhm. Yeah, I mean, when you just when you think you have everything going for you, you fall flat on your face, which statistically should not happen, but sometimes that happens, man. But I I can't tell you, I can't think of. Any of those teams that I just mentioned, who's fallen on their face harder than the Lightning did? Right? At least the, the Mariners got to the ALCS. Warriors lost in the finals in Game 7. Patriots lost to the Giants on one of the most miraculous catches in football history. The Lightning got effing destroyed by the Blue Jackets in the first round. I mean, I think the biggest thing is they just got outcoached. I mean, Torts, he's an asshole. Hate his guts. I mean, he's a big asshole, but the man can coach. And he he creates an exciting environment for the Columbus Blue Jackets. Especially a Blue Jackets team that is obviously in win-now mode. I mean, I can't think of another way, better way than win-now than sweep the most successful team in regular season history yeah very true but i mean the columbus blue jackets they they have whichever team moves on next they kind of have hell to pay when it comes to either the boston bruins or the toronto maple Leafs. yeah which I mean, are both uh deking it out right now in game seven yeah i mean boston is just a huge rough and tough team and i mean they have they have the dirtiest player in the book, Brad Marchand. They have the biggest player in the book, Zedio Chara. They have a lot of guys that can shoot and score on that team. They are a very well-rounded, sound team. So it's going to be a hard contest if Boston gets through. And then if Toronto gets through, yeah, there's a lot of youth on that team. But then they have big names like John Tavares that are old old veterans of the league who are still damn productive in this league. And John Tavares wants to bring a trophy back to Toronto Maple Leafs like no other man. So with the amount of youth and skill that's on a team or the the rough and tough Boston Bruins, the, the Blue Jackets are going to have a hell of a series to beat either Boston or Toronto coming up next. Yeah, that's that's, and the East is now obviously wide open, and you know if Toronto doesn't get through tonight, you know who's having a field day tomorrow morning. Who's that? The New York Islanders. Yeah, yeah, that is very true. Nice Does little clean, clean sweep. Always, you know, even though I, the Islanders were the outcasts of the metropolitan area. Um, always nice to see a sweep of Sidney Crosby, regardless of the team. Um, they look pretty good doing it too. The uh, the Islanders. I mean, man, a, a lot of people did not expect that from the Islanders. I wouldn't say I completely expected it, but I didn't think people were going to be as shocked to see a shutout when it came to the Penguins because the Penguins, yeah, they're they're a great veteran team. But they are getting older, and uh, I feel like 
in a few trades and a, and a few acquisitions in the past few years, they have not made the right moves because it seems like, especially now that Flurry is gone, he is doing a great job for the Vegas Golden Knights. may not be playing every night, but he's doing a great job for the Vegas Golden Knights. I think they missed out. They're missing him right now in goal because Murray does not seem as good, and I don't know who their other goalie is, but I can't even name him because... Definitely Murray just getting hot at the right time when they made that uh, cup run over the Predators. Yeah, exactly. So who, who do you think the Islanders have a better chance against in the next round, the Capitals or the Hurricanes? Definitely the Hurricanes. Yeah, I, I think I, that Capitals team, dude, is pretty stacked. And obviously defending a Stanley Cup title. It would be very interesting, though, to see Barry Trotz against his old team. It would, uh, And that's one of the re- that's one, another reason why I'd love to see the Capitals get through. Because I wonder what would happen there. Because, I mean, he left right at the end of the season because it seemed like there was a lot of discrepancies in the, in the office area when it came to Barry Trotz. But, I mean, it is the Capitals. It is a team that he knows very well. There's a lot of this. There's a few different faces on that team, but a lot of similar faces on that team. So, I would actually, I, I agree. The Hurricanes would be easier for the Islanders to get past. But the Capitals, Barry may have something up his sleeve knowing what each player will do because he had a few years to study them. Yeah, true. I just, I, for me, I do agree with you on that. I'm just saying, you know, along the talent pool. I, I even, I'm, I'm surprised the Hurricanes got this to seven. I really am. Uh, I, I'm not. I, because for how good the Capitals are, they're kind of in a way. I mean, they, they are in a way like the Golden State Warriors. They have such great talent and skill, but they do drop the ball a few times. Yep. And the only way to beat those teams is from within. Exactly. And then let's take a look at the West, where, again, you had the Predators go out to the Dallas Stars and the Flames obviously getting taken out by the Avalanche. Uh, another one I definitely did not see coming. That, that That's a promising young Avalanche team. Well, that Avalanche team is is interesting, but also at the same time, they have a lot of stars on that team. Yeah, Lanzacog, uh So else is on there. Um, obviously, what's his face? Who um pushed Taylor Hall? McKinnon is on there. They they got a few good, really good pieces. Yeah, they they have a lot of good pieces. They they have a lot of skilled players on that team. And I was talking I was talking to one of my buddies the other day. It was. I was t- telling him, I mean, for them to get past, like, they obviously proved themselves better than the Devils, but that was the main point that he brought to me. They they have players. They have talent there. The yeah. Devils much only had ta- Taylor Hall at the end. But so was I completely shocked? I was a little shocked. I thought, I thought the Calgary Flames would have a little bit more fight in them going into that with only coming out with one game there. But... Colorado, they're they're going to be a good team next year. If they if they don't get anywhere past uh, the next round this year, which if 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 the Golden Knights get through, I would say they don't have a shot. If the Sharks get through, they probably have a shot. But I think they're going to have a shot for a while. I think they're going to be set up for a long time. Yeah, they just need to build up and not be a eighth eighth seed. Or a second wild card, whatever you want to call it in the NHL. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Um, we were robbed of another Predators Jets series. That was disappointing. I was looking forward to that one. Yeah, I I I don't disagree there, but it's pretty. I think that's probably one of the more shocking. Uh, well, that's if not not as shocking as the Blue Jackets, but it's definitely second shock, second. Best shocking out of to say that that the Dallas Stars were able to beat the the Nashville Predators because Nashville Predators seem like one of the most consistent teams in the NHL, and for the Stars to pretty much pummel them 
four to two games. I mean, it it seemed like a lot of things went wrong for the Predators. I mean, uh, first off, there was a lack of scoring, which is obviously a a huge part when it comes to any game, of course. Their power play was horrible. But then the Stars, their top six looked unbeatable at times, which could be... Could be hard for the Blues to overcome in the next round. Uh, Bishop just doing Bishop things, being a Vezina finalist for the third time in his career. Like he looks like the one of the best, if not the best, goalie right now in the playoffs. The Dallas Blue Line, it was also incredible. Yeah. So the Stars good- made some good moves too. Yeah. So a lot of things went right. For the Dallas Stars at the right time, so I, I'm not as I, it's shocking, but not too shocking. I would say the more shocking thing was the St. Louis Blues uh, overcome yeah. the the Jets, and the biggest thing with the Jets was they were they were their inability to protect a lead because in a lot of the games they were up. But then the Blues came back and beat them. So it's kind of a dud, a dud, a dud mark on their season because the West, I thought, was going to be a bit in the very similar picture to what last year's West was. But now it's a completely different picture. The only one that would still be the same at this point in the series would be the Vegas Golden Knights if they're able to get past the Sharks. So I, I was thinking something very similar. But, of course, I was thinking a lot of things are going to be similar this this playoffs, and a lot of things are not similar to this playoffs. So it's kind of kind of a nil point. And, but I think the Blues are just a remarkable story because of the fact that they were literally in dead last at the midway point. And now look at where they are. I think no matter where they go out, I think the season for the Blues is an accomplishment. When you look at where they were to now, incredible. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a nice thing to say. But they showed that they're able to come back from a lot of adversity and get through. It's a team that could still keep pushing. And they have a very ugly cloud over their head. They haven't really gone back to the playoffs ever since their birth when the original six went to 12. Because they, they got into like the Vegas Golden Knights last year when they were an expansion team. They were an expansion team. They got to the Stanley Cup Finals. They really haven't done anything of note since then. Mm-hmm. So that's a team that has the potential to push through. But I I, I do believe in stigmas of, t- of teams. I don't know if St. Louis Blues are going to get much farther in this. Now, speaking of expansion teams, who wins Game 7? Uh, the Knights or the Sharks? Hmm. Who wins Game Seven? Uh, I, I'm I'm sticking. I'm sticking with the Knights. I mean, I, I love Pierre DeBoer, but I I don't think he's going to cause too much of a ruckus there. And I think the Knights are going to push through and get into the next round against the Avalanche. And it's funny you brought up stigmas. I mean, what's the stigma against the Sharks? Can never get it done in the playoffs. Both the Sharks and the Blues just have a history of collapsing. Yeah, especially the Sharks. I feel like the Sharks just have always had that stigma attached to them. Well, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, they, they do, but at the same time, so do the Blues. So it's kind of if they both get through, that that'd be a series I'd love to see going into the Western Conference Finals would be the Sharks versus the Blues because pretty much it would feel like a brand new team is getting to the finals because both those teams yeah the Sharks were there a few years ago but both those teams would it would be a nice refreshing Western Conference right there. I I feel like even where we are now I feel like it's going to be refreshing from the. S- from the fact that the teams you definitely already have left are the Avalanche, the Blues, and the Stars, where when I feel like when you talk Western Conference over the past few years, it's been 
Well, I mean, San Jose is always there, but Nashville, Winnipeg, the Kings have been a power in the West for how long? You know, that came to an end. But I really wouldn't put it past the Golden Knights doing it again with the field that's left if they win Game 7. No, I I feel like last year they are just a... A band of uh, a band of misfit toys. This year, a lot of people are taking them a lot more serious. Even though the the series is tied three to three, I think they can they can definitely make the playoff push there. Which playoffs have you been enjoying more so far, NBA or NHL? NHL. It's I I I love playoff hockey. Yeah, love I mean, playoff hockey. Eat. Even even if the series is, for me, completely shit, I feel like playoff hockey for for years and for years to come will be way better than NBA playoffs. Because you just saw in the NHL what, you know, the madness of all these wild card teams and all of these power, all the division champs could be out after the first round already we're look at the nba pretty much the top four teams in both conferences are advancing yeah but the nba is you you kind of expect that more than hockey because hockey is way different a lot more open yeah exactly nba everybody's on one team and it's called golden state um so with that rick um obviously it is playoff season but um, our last topic of the night uh, coming up on Thursday is the NFL draft. Um, obviously going to be some big movement there. A lot of great news going on there. Arizona Cardinals on the clock. Rick, what are some of your thoughts on the draft? Uh, I think, obviously, the big, the big thing is, is the Arizona Cardinals going to take Kyler Murray. Uh most most of the experts are saying yes. You were saying no. A lot, a lot of them are saying they're going to go after Nick Bosa. Seems pretty consistent that either Kyle Murray's going to go first or the possibility of Kyle Murray going fourth because everyone knows John Gruen gets a hard on when it comes to new quarterbacks coming into the draft. And it's been quoted by many reporters that they are very interested in getting Kyle Murray because even though the Oakland Raiders just got Antonio Brown and Derek Carr and him are both working out together a lot, I'm pretty sure uh, John Gruen is is over Derek Carr, even over even just after one season. Let me tell you about this Kyler Murray fella. Um, now, if the Cardinals go and get Kyler Murray. Does Josh Rosen go to the Giants? So you're you're thinking that they would trade Josh Rosen to the Giants? Yes, which has been discussed. I've seen reports that there's been rumors that if Kyler Murray is taken, Josh Rosen could go to the Giants. Uh, I I would say no at this point, and the main reason why I would say no if if they did draft Kyler Murray. Because, I mean, one, they'll have a, a QB competition going into the preseason, which would be interesting, too. So many teams talk about depth in certain positions. And what, one major position is obviously the quarterback. It's the most, most important position on the field. If a team could have two quality quarterbacks as QB1 and QB2, then I think they would keep them. Now... Saying that, if the Giants gave him an offer they couldn't refuse, then yeah, I, I would say Rosen's gone and Kyler Murray is the QB of the future for the Arizona Cardinals. But that's saying if if Carolina is going to draft Kyler Murray, I, for me, I think they should stick with Josh Rosen and then they should draft Nick, Nick Bosa. Because Nick Bosa is either going one or two, definitely. Kyler Murray is either going one or later. Now, what do you think of Drew Locke making his way up the uh, draft boards, especially above, like, Dwayne Haskins? 
I mean, Dwayne Haskins, he's good, but I, I feel like there's no flair there on the NFL scale to draft Dwayne Haskins. But Dwayne Haskins, he has a lot of potential places where he would go. But I, I, I don't see him going anywhere higher than maybe... Dwayne Haskins will probably either go to the Bengals, Giants, maybe the Raiders, but I think the Raiders would probably be looking for an edge rusher more. Yeah, I just saw a few different mock drafts that if Kyler Murray gets taken, they would probably go after Josh Allen, who is an outside linebacker from Kentucky. Yeah, and Josh Allen, I believe he moved up quite a bit in the in the last few weeks because he had a he had a good uh, combine there. Um, now, do the Giants, regardless of where they are at the six, take a quarterback? Do they take? Now, notice what David Gettleman. Did you see what David Gettleman said earlier in the week? No, what did he say? David Gettleman said, you do not draft on need. You take the best player available. I agree with that because at a lot of times, you, most teams are able to trade away to fill in positions. We saw that today with Kansas City making that huge trade to pretty much complete their defense. Yeah, that was a great move for them. So with with them doing that, like that's just perfect proof right there. They're able to tra- trade away draft picks and other assets to obtain big players then. I, I do agree that you need to draft on need, not on skill, because a lot of times these skill players may not may not be great for the certain team. Oh, no, he said he he said he said skill over need. Well, no, what I what I meant what I meant by that was that 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 player's skill may not be the right skill for that formation of that team. Yeah, true, true. So, so Kyler Murray. Going back to number one, Kyler Murray. Is he really the right QB from Oklahoma to go to Arizona? He might be, especially with the new coach there. But it, it's, I would, I would most likely agree with that statement. Now, with the Giants situation, is if they do choose, um, do not choose a quarterback. Right now, the, the mock drafts I've been looking at have them taking Rashawn Gary, a defensive end from Michigan University. At the 17, the quarterback that they're going to probably want won't be available to them because if you're looking at Dwayne Haskins, right now a lot of people have him going to either the Bengals or the Broncos, and whoever doesn't get the other one is going to get Drew Locke. So if the Giants pass on it, they're not going to get the quarterback. But what some reports are saying is maybe the Giants will then go after Daniel Jones from Duke, who has been making his way up the uh, draft boards a little bit as well. I, I actually I kind of want to predict that the Giants will trade up. And I like this one expert's take on it, R.J. White. He's thinking that the Giants get to trade up for the jet for the jet spot and right, number three and they're gonna take and he's and they're gonna take Dwayne Haskins I I think that's very probable because I feel like people are getting quickly frustrated with the commitment to Eli yes he's done so many great things for them but he's obviously in the twilight of his career yeah he's in the twilight of his career but I mean it's kind of hard in this day and age where it just seems like there's not that many great quarterbacks when you're able to hold on for one, even if it's a a dying horse in the back of the barn, which is Eli Manning. Like you, you got to hold on to him for as long as you can, because he can still throw and can still play. But I think moving Odell Beckham Jr., who is a giant distraction for Eli, the front office, seemed like for the whole team. 
I would like to see how Eli plays without that distraction there now. Yeah, I I still think even though we're not we can't expect much from the Giants in the next three year, uh, few years, that definitely is going to be a um, better move for them long term. That Odell is now out of their locker room. Now, how do you think the Raiders are going to manage all of these draft picks? Uh, I I feel like the Raiders, with the amount of draft picks that they have, they and there's a lot of great defense in this draft that I would say they're going to do fine. I, I I would honestly be more interested to see if they would trade up, even though they are fourth in one of their picks, if they trade a couple of those first and second round picks to be first or second to see if they can go after Nick Bosa, because I think that'd be an amazing thing for them to do. Uh, but they're going to have a ton of great young defense, which last year their defense sucked. Yeah. Bring in this young talent with a lot of good potential at, at the defense position and all over the defense position, whether it be DE, linebacker, edge, cornerback. A lot, of, a lot of good, actually, especially line, but a lot of good, even there's a lot of good secondary there. So Raiders are definitely going to go heavy on the defensive end. Yeah, literally they have, every mock draft I have has, with their first two picks at least, um, taking a defensive player. Yeah. They, I, I would say the, the only way that they want to take a defensive player first if somehow Kyler Murray just falls to them. Because if Kyler Murray falls to four, then I would say the Raiders are going to take him. Where do you think realistically Kyler Murray ends up, if you had to give me right now? Because a lot of people are saying if he doesn't get taken by the Cardinals, he can fall significantly. Where do you really think he's going to end up? I Well, I, if he falls after first, I mean, I, I keep saying the Raiders, it's kind of just my... It's one of my thoughts. I, I could see him going to the Bengals. I, I honestly don't see him see the Giants picking him. I would see actually the Giants taking Dwayne Haskins over Kyler Murray. Um, may, maybe to the Bucks later down the line. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, especially right now when you're looking at – it's obvious – I think that the Raiders are have all their eyes turned on Vegas. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. I mean, they're they're gonna look at least decent when they move to Vegas. Wonder if they'll have the same uh, success the Golden Knights had. Very hard to duplicate. Am I right? Well, well, that's a that's a huge thing. I actually brought that up when last year when we were talking about the Vegas Golden Knights, mm-hmm. like when. When the Raiders become the Las Vegas Raiders or the Vegas Raiders, I don't know what they're going to call them. When they move there, they need to have success fast. Because I would not think the Golden Knights would have as much fan support now if they didn't go far in the playoffs last year. No one saw them going to the Stanley Cup last year. So if the Raiders don't do that, and... Vegas is a tourist town. Yes, there is a ton of people that live there, but it's a tourist town. If if the Raiders don't have any success, they're going to become the L.A. Chargers, where the L.A. Chargers have have seventh-eighths of their 19,000-seat stadium filled with the opposing team. Because every time you'd see, whenever they would play against Kansas City, they were, they were away when they were playing at the StubHub Center. Oh, yeah, dude. I still remember clearly uh, two seasons ago, the Eagles were playing the Chargers in the StubHub Center, and you had Nigel Bradham pumping up the crowd for a third down stop, the home crowd. He was like, all right, we're on defense. The Eagles need to stop. Pump up the crowd. Like, what? When you're at an away game. Yeah, so, I mean, it's a risk that the, that the Raiders are taking moving to Vegas. And it pretty much made them bankrupt because a lot, a lot of loans were taken out for that move. Uh, if if it is not successful, 
then there will not be a Davis owning that team in the next 10 years. Which I can't imagine. will be scary, but I can't imagine. True. Yeah. I, I mean, it's it was weird when Al Davis died and his son took over. His son's just a spitting image of but of him, but fat. But if I, I if if there's no success there, then there will be no Davis family to own that team. Yeah. Because I mean, there are there are a very in the hole with this move. Anything else you're looking for with the draft, Rick? Any other headlines you're looking at? My my biggest, I, I would say the the biggest player in the draft is Nick Bosa for me, and everyone's saying he's gonna go number. A lot of people are saying he's gonna go number two to to the San Francisco 49ers. But the the interesting thing about that is in the coming future, I mean his his brother Joey Bosa went into his first year injured. Injured Nick Bosa took played one game for Ohio State this year got injured, and called it quits. So the Bosa brothers, they they change the game when they are in there. But is it a risk worth taking drafting Nick Bosa, who's already had a pretty significant injury in college? I, I mean, a lot of people would say yes. I would say maybe not second. Maybe he's a fifth or sixth pick. So I, I think it's interesting that Someone who hasn't played football for a long time is going in the second position, most likely going in the second position of the draft. Yeah, I feel like especially football, a sport where injuries can repeat like that, I definitely feel like that is very surprising. Yeah. So that that's kind of like my, my big thing. And, of course, I'm curious what the hell the Steelers are doing after – the shithole we've been through this past year. Yeah, dude. I I, I I, seriously wonder what the Steelers are going to do. It's going to be very interesting to see you guys. I feel like you guys still do have like a lot of pieces. you got Juju. You've got James Conner. you still got Big Ben. But losing Antonio and Le'Veon, definitely an interesting move. Now, but before we wrap up, because it's been a little bit since we recorded, what was your take on the Antonio Brown and Juju uh, beef. <laughs> I mean, it was absolutely silly. Like, Antonio Brown was trying to say all this negative shit about Juju when Juju was going into the draft, asked for support. He posted that picture of him asking for support and asking for advice. And he posted that pretty much trying to say, look at this weak guy when... In reality, it's him showing him respect. And then the the other big thing, which not a lot of people brought up, was yes, Juju did fumble the ball to to have us lose that that game, so he didn't get into the playoffs. But you think three years prior, Antonio Brown stepped out of bounds, running for a touchdown with zero seconds left against the Miami Dolphins. Yep. If we miss the playoffs, so it's not it's not like Juju was the only fault of screwing up and not and missing the playoffs. Antonio Brown was right there with him, so I thought it was kind of childish. I feel like Antonio Brown was just trying to flex as much power as he could because he had a lot of negative things to say about Big Ben, but when it came to other players on the team, it was kind of odd. Kind of just seemed like a spoiled brat that wasn't getting enough attention from his parents. <laughs> For real, right? Yeah. So we'll be keeping an eye on it, obviously, as we are drawing closer to the draft, and we'll be keeping an eye on the playoffs. Rick, believe it or not, dude, that 50th episode is coming up very shortly. Yeah, we got to do something special for that. Oh, we will. And and don't forget, we'll be sure to let you guys know what we'll be doing for what certainly will be a 50th celebration of the Wide Open Sportscast. And again, uh, ladies and gentlemen, you can find us on Twitter at Wide Open underscore sports. And don't forget to find us, the Wide Open Sportscast, at Google Play, iTunes, TuneIn, and SoundCloud. Rick, any closing thoughts for tonight? 
Go Steelers. Dude, if none of you saw it. Tottenham's in the Champions League semifinals. And I can't believe it. Still can't believe it. Can you imagine what would we do if we get a Tottenham-Liverpool Champions League final? Uh, depending on what that when that game is played, I may have to come and sleep over. I, I believe it's June 1st would be the Champions League final. We got to get there, though. We got to get through Ajax. You guys got to get through Barca. So should be interesting. Hey, man. All right, folks. I am Feds. I am Rick. Have a great night. Come on, you Spurs. Do you believe these guys are our future leaders in America? Thank you so very much for all the appreciation and all the great moments that we've experienced together. You stay classy. That's all, folks.